This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Who knows what the series is that we've been talking about for the past few weeks? Emmanuel. And, and remember, there's I have a part and then you have a part. When I say Emmanuel, you say... God is with us. And, you know, Isaiah prophesied this way back in Isaiah chapter 7. He said, hey, there's going to be a Savior born for Israel. There will be a Messiah come. There will be somebody to save you from everything that's going on. He will be born of a virgin. And they're going to call his name Emmanuel, which means... Amen. And so then all the way up in Matthew chapter one and verse 23, the angel appears to Joseph and says, hey, Mary is going to have a baby. You know, don't, calm down. Calm down. I Listen, she's pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Right. Because that's enough to rattle a guy. If someone comes up and says, hey, your fiance is pregnant and you had nothing to do with it. You'd be like, whoa, hey, whoa, pump the brakes. That's kind of that'll rattle you a little bit. But the angel says, it's OK. The Holy Spirit has come upon her and you guys are going to call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And I can tell you that, you know, through everything that maybe we've all experienced and seen, not only in our whole lives, but in this year in particular, the best news that I have heard is that we are not alone. God has been with us. Jesus has been with us every single step of the way. And if God is for me, who can be against me? The best news that I can give you, the best news that I have heard is we are not alone. God is with us. He sent His Son, Jesus, to this world so we would never have to be alone again. We would never have to face separation from the Father. We would never have to fight our battles on our own. God is with us. And I'm just like David back there in 1 Samuel 17. He was facing the giant and he said, listen, I'm, I'm not looking at me. I'm looking at God. The battle is the Lord's. And if the battle is the Lord's, you can't help but get happy. You can't help but be just a little bit excited because you know that you are going to win no matter what because he never loses. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. All right. Now I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. All right. So we're talking about Emmanuel. God is with us. This is our part three of this series. And and I was thinking about, man, just the gift of Jesus is everything that we need. David said it best in Psalm 23, verse 1. He said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what that means in modern English is, I have all that I need. Have you ever got a gift that was just basically, it was an all-in-one? I mean, you know, think of your phone, for example. Who needs a a calculator anymore? You've got one. Who needs to carry a flashlight around? You've got one. It even has a tape measure. You can do your banking. You can send your greetings. You can do all of it in one gift. It's pretty much, for the most part, can do just about every one of those type of things that you need. But guess what? Jesus is the deluxe package, man. He's cheese on your Whopper. He's extra verde on your burrito. Jesus is everything that you need all wrapped up into one package. Now, to try to break that down a little bit, I was thinking about some things that Emmanuel... 
is in our lives. Now, uh, when I, Katie and I went to Bible college in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Broken Arrow to be more specific, Oklahoma, and at, at, at our school, at, at the church, Rama Bible Church, their, their mission statement was this, bringing hope, help, and healing to a dying world. And those three words mean a lot to me. Hope, help, and healing. Because if I see anything that this world has always needed but needs right now, it's hope, help, and healing. And I want to talk about those three things today. I want to talk about what Emmanuel brings to this world right now. Now, if I were to sit down and compile a list of the things that Jesus has done in my life, if I were to sit down and compile a list of all that Jesus is, I would still be writing that list next Christmas because I couldn't stop. Once I get to thinking about Jesus, and this is the same with you, none of us could fully put into words, none of us could fully write out a list of all that Jesus is, but I can think about different aspects of it. And so, Today I'm talking about three different things that Emmanuel brings, alright? Let me pray, and we're going to dig into the Word of God for just a few minutes here today. And if you'll listen, Jesus will speak to you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are with us, that you sent your son, Jesus, Emmanuel, to be God with us, and we are not alone. There's not been one minute that we've been alone, not one second, because you said you would never leave us, you would never forsake us, and you have kept your word. And Lord, I pray that as we open our hearts today to your word, as we open our Bibles, you will speak to us, you will tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. Here, and you're going to change us for your glory in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? amen? All right, so let's break this thing down. The first thing I'm going to say today is this. Emmanuel brings hope. Emmanuel, Jesus brings hope. Now, most people know what faith is, and, and I hear a lot of definitions of faith, but the most basic thing we could break it down to is faith is believing without seeing. Now, we could go much deeper theologically on that point than that, but for basic sake... The most basic definition of faith is believing without seeing. And, and, and the thing is, a lot of people confuse faith and hope. They are not the same thing. Right? And in fact, you know, the, the word tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, three things will remain forever, faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. Because, listen, when I get to heaven, I'm still going to be surrounded by love. It's going to be there. It's going to endure to the end. But when I get to heaven, I'm not going to need faith anymore because my Faith will be turned to sight. I will literally see Jesus. I don't have to believe in Him anymore without seeing Him. There will be a day where my faith is turned to sight. And I'm telling you, I'm excited about that day. I am more than ready for heaven. But until then, I've got to believe in God the Father and I've got to believe in Jesus by faith because I have never personally seen them with my eyes, though I believe they are more real than the people sitting in front of me today. I am convinced that Jesus is real, though I've never seen him. But a lot of people, they confuse faith and hope. Well, brother, you just got to have hope. Hope is vitally important vitally important because what you got to realize is hope is the precursor to faith. 
Before you can have faith and believe in something, you've got to at least have some hope. And somebody that has lost all hope is in a very dangerous and bad spot. When you get to the point where you say, I just don't think things could ever possibly get any better, you have lost hope. But if you're in a low spot, if you're in a bad spot, if you're facing a difficulty, hope is the very initial spark that says, you know what? I believe it's possible that things could get better. I believe it's possible that I could make it through this. Hope is the initial thing that you need. Because when faith shows up, faith not only says things could get better, faith says, I believe things will get better. It is going to happen. Amen? And so faith believes that it is going to happen. It believes that Jesus already did do his part. Amen. For salvation, I don't have to say, Jesus, I'm ready to get saved. Could you go die on the cross again? He doesn't. He already did his part. I've just got to plug in and believe. Whenever I need healing in my body, Jesus, could you go take another beating? Could you go take some more wounds and stripes on your back like First Peter 2.20? Jesus already did his part. I've just got to plug into the power source and believe and do my part, right? And so... Faith is key, but hope is something that Jesus brings to a very hurting and desperate world, no matter what year it is. Now, back back in the day when Jesus was born, the people of Israel were in a really bad spot. Uh, you see, the Romans had captured them and they were running Israel. How would you like it if somebody came into your home and captured you and then you just had to do whatever they told you to do? And you're like, but hey, this is my place. I should make the rules. And they thump you and say, nope, there's a new there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new boss. And now you're going to do what I say you're going to do, even if this is your own place. That would be a bad spot to be in. That could potentially uh, make you a little bit bitter. And so the people of Israel, they hated the Romans. And I can kind of understand why. They couldn't stand the Romans. And they kept waiting. Oh, you just wait. There's a Messiah coming someday. And when he comes, he is going to take care of this. It's going to happen. He's going to come and he's going to drive them out of here. And he's going to absolutely lay the smack down on all of our enemies. And that's what they were hoping for. They were, they were hoping for a Messiah to come and be some mighty Rambo, Chuck Norris military warrior that was just absolutely ready to come in and annihilate with physical violence. But then a baby is born into a barn and angels show up to these shepherds and say, the Messiah, the king of the world, the savior has been born tonight. And they're like, oh, man, what was he? Was he just born as some macho guy or something? And they're like, no, there's a baby in a barn a few miles that way. And that's your Messiah. And you got to think these guys were like. No, 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 because our Messiah, he was going to have he was going to have a couple of rifles. He was going to come with a bazooka and he was going to come and wipe out the Romans. And they're like, no, the savior of the world has been born. Oh, you mean he was born in the palace down there? No, 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 not the palace. Oh, okay. so he got the deluxe suite down at the hospital. No, he wasn't even born there. He was born in a barn. Over there in, in the little town of Bethlehem. And he, and he's down there. And this had, a, this, this was a curveball. They did not see this coming. But I found out that I really like it when God does things His way instead of doing them in my preconceived way. 
Because it always turns out better. You know, I mean, he could have just sent some blazing military warrior with guns a-blazing and, and, you know, the Air Force flying overhead and we're here to annihilate the Romans. But he didn't do that. He sent the most humble beginnings that you could imagine. Now, we think of being born in a barn as like, man, that must have been awful. And back then, they were more of a farming and culture, more more uh, acquainted with those type of things. But guess what? They still thought, man, that must be awful. Not that many people were actually born in the barn even back then. But the Savior, think about that. The most important, the most royal, the most highly esteemed person, the greatest person in history came into this world in the most humble way. Born in a barn, laid down in a little manger where, you know, they had to probably clean it and wipe it out. And they laid the Savior, the hero, the Messiah, the best, most important person in the history of the world. They laid him right there in that manger. Jesus didn't come in some, you know, absolutely royal, rich, luxurious way. He came in a very humble way. And that baby right there changed the entire world because he brought with him hope that things can get better and things will get better. It doesn't have to stay the way that it is right now. If you're down in the ditch, you do not have to stay there. And believe me or not, if you're sick, you don't have to stay sick. If you're poor, you don't have to stay poor. If you're depressed, you don't have to stay that way. If you don't have any peace, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the Great I Am. And He can change any situation that we find ourselves in. But we have to trust in Him. And so, Jesus shows up on the scene that night. And and, and the angel appears to those shepherds out there in the field. They weren't expecting that. And I love it how something great happens sometimes when you're just least expecting it. You know, those shepherds are out there in the middle of the night, sitting in the middle of a field, probably watching videos on YouTube and smashing down some talkies and drinking some monster energy drinks and let's just stay awake through the night so no wolves come and get the sheep and angels appear and light up the sky and say, the world is getting ready to change, brother. You better hold on to your seats. And that's what's happening right now because whenever things seem like, man, what's going to happen next? Be ready for a miracle. Be ready for hope to arrive. Be ready for the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, to show up and rock the lives of those that will trust in Him. Amen? Let's look at Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. Man, who's just excited to be alive right now? Dude, I'm excited. You know, people are like, man, why do we have to be alive right now? Why do we have to be born right now, man? I'm telling you, I am so ecstatic that I'm alive in 2020 because I believe we were born for such a time as this. I am glad that we get to be here right now. Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to look at a few verses here. Now, I love Isaiah. Maybe you're catching on to that right now. I love Isaiah. I read, I mean, I just, I read through this whole book all the time. Isaiah chapter 60, it is an incredible, incredible book. But I love something that he talks about right here. Isaiah chapter 60. 
Because yet again, the people of Israel, the people of Judah, they needed hope. They were getting, they were getting thumped around yet again. Isaiah chapter 60, and we're gonna look at verses 19 through 20 because Isaiah is prophesying, listen, it's gonna get better. There is hope on the horizon for you. Isaiah 60 verse 19, no longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night, for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Jesus, our man, God is our light. God is our our glory. He is everything that we need. Verse 20, your sun will never set. Your moon will not go down for the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. That sounds like hope for people that need hope right now. Jesus is alive. Jesus is here with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. We are not alone. Let me show you a New Testament verse on this. Hebrews chapter 6. Can we flip to Hebrews chapter 6? Well, can we? All right, come on now. Hey, hey. You know me. I don't like I don't like that quiet church stuff. I try. So I, you know, I, I come in. I'm like, you know, maybe we should just kind of be more serious and quiet. And and then I fail at it because I, I like loud churches. But Isaiah, or excuse me, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter six, Hebrews chapter six, and we're going to look here at verse nineteen, Hebrews chapter six, and verse nineteen, and. Listen, God is with us and he is our hope. I am never hopeless. Never. I've got Jesus. Hebrews chapter 6. And we're going to look here at verse 19. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Well, what kind of a thing needs an anchor? Something that's prone to just floating and drifting away, right? And notice it says, He is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. An anchor keeps you in place. It keeps you grounded. It keeps you from drifting off, wandering away, floating the wrong direction. Our souls, also commonly confused with our spirits, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And I can tell you right now that people's emotions and their minds in 2020, they're drifting and wandering all over the place. They've been a mess, very unstable. But if you get the hope of Jesus, He will anchor your soul so you don't have to drift around anymore. You don't have to wander around. You don't have to wonder, well, what's going to happen? He will will anchor you exactly where you need to be. Jesus, Emmanuel, brings us the gift of hope no matter where we are. And the second thing I'm saying is this. He brings help. Anybody in here you've ever needed a little help? 
Come on, hey, we have all needed a little bit of help. I have needed a little bit of help. Now, let me show you here. In, we're already in Hebrews, all right? Let's just flip back to chapter 4 while we're there. Come on, it's not going to be that hard. Flip back to chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to show you verses 15 and 16. And we looked at these verses last week. But you have got to get this, that when Jesus came to earth, he came and he lived his life just like we do. He was a human being in this world. He laid aside his royalty. He came down here and lived like us. So Hebrews 4, look at verse 15. It says, this high priest of ours, talking about Jesus, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. What does that mean for us? Verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. When I need help, when I am in a spot, when I need to go to God, do I have to come crawling on my knees Begging, oh Lord, oh Lord, I'm not worthy, Lord, Lord. And do I have to sneak in the back door of? The, do 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 I have to come to the side door of God's presence? No, it says I can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. I don't come crawling on my... I come boldly because I'm not coming because of what I did. I'm coming because of what Jesus did. I have been called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not self-righteous. I'm not coming to God because of how good I am. I'm coming to the throne room of God because of how good Jesus is. And I can come boldly to find help when I need it most. Jesus brought me help when I needed it the most. And you need to realize that Jesus wants to help you. I don't think a lot of people get that. They're like, well, it'd be nice if Jesus would help me, if God would do something. Jesus wants to help you. Think about doctors. They, they go to school for years. They pay lots of money to go to school. And I believe it's because they genuinely want to help people. They want to have patience. And so I'm telling you, get this out of your mind right now. Jesus wants to help you. Never again question his willingness to help you because I defy you to find one single time in the four Gospels when somebody came to Jesus for help and he did not help them or they said, "If you," I mean, time and time again, people said, Lord, if you're willing, Rabbi, if you're willing, Teacher, if you're willing, you could help me 100% of the time. He said, I am willing. Boom. Be healed. Be made whole. Never again question Jesus' willingness to help his children, to help his people. He wants to help you. Look at... Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 for me. Hebrews chapter 2. we got to catch something because I stumbled across these verses maybe three or four years ago. I'm sure I'd read them before, but they had never hit me like this. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews 2, 
verses 14 and 15. And, you know, I've wondered and maybe you've wondered, well, why did Jesus even have to come to earth? Why did why couldn't they have just done this some other way? Why did somebody have to come and die to pay for the sins of the world? Well, Hebrews chapter two, look at verse 14. It explains it perfectly. It says, because God's children are human beings. Are any of you in here human beings? About 20% of this crowd is human. All right. We got some weird stuff going on here. All right. So because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. The only way to save me was to become one of me so you could die. If Jesus was just a spirit being in heaven, you know, at the throne of God, spirits don't die. They can't. You can only die if you've got a physical body. So Jesus came to this earth and put on one of these bodies only for the sake of it being able to be killed someday. So he could experience death and he could set us free. That's a powerful thing. When you get that revelation, some of you get it. Some of you, you kind of got that, you know, there's nothing going on behind the eyes. Like, that's okay. We love you anyway. But listen, listen to me. When you get that revelation that Jesus, he came to this earth, he put on one of these bodies like I have, like you have, knowing that as soon as he got here, the countdown was started. 33 years. Here it goes. Here it goes. Every day, he's one step closer and knowing full well the entire time that he was going to take on the most gruesome, painful death. But he was ready for that moment. He's like, if this is what I got to do, this is what I got to do, because I have got to set these people free. And he came and he did it. And he didn't back out, even when it did not look good. He came and brought us help and gave us the right to go directly in to the throne room, into the presence of God. That's the Jesus that we serve. Who loves Jesus? I mean, seriously, you love Jesus because he's done more for you than anybody else has ever done. And that's not the only reason I love him, but I am thankful that Jesus came and that he made a way when there was no way. He gave me the right to come into the presence of God. I was reading about, uh, you know, a, a, a disgruntled early American, he once came to Benjamin Franklin and said, all right, so where is all this happiness that the Constitution was supposed to guarantee me? Benjamin Franklin responded, the Constitution only guarantees the American people the right to pursue happiness. You've got to catch it yourself. And listen to me. I hear people saying things like, well, I thought the Bible said that God would just come in and take care of everything and that I'd never have a problem again. That God would just come in and now I would have everything that I instantly need and I've never... Listen to me. The Bible does promise us that the Lord is our shepherd. He is everything that we need. But you are going to have to do some pursuing of the shepherd yourself. Psalm 91 makes some very bold promises. 
very bold promises, but they apply to those who abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God has done His part. Jesus has done His part, but there comes a time when we've got to pursue them ourselves. And listen, He will not disappoint. I have never been disappointed when I've pursued Jesus. I've never been disappointed when I have spent time with Jesus. But listen, these things don't just dump out on you while you're out, you know, while you're out there living like a pig. You hear what I'm saying? Listen, sometimes, you know, I see people, even, even to this day, man, why is all this stuff happening to me? I thought that, I thought that he would do this, and I thought he said this, and, and here I am. I came to church that time last year, and, and I loved my neighbor as myself that one time three years ago. Listen! If there's ever been a time for you to be serious about your faith, and to abide under the shadow of, it's right now! I would not be out there living like a maniac, living like the devil, and then claiming all the promises of God's word. It doesn't work that way. You've got to abide under that shadow. You need to, none of us are perfect, but we need to be obeying the word of God to the best of our ability. We need to be seeking and pursuing the Almighty to the best of our ability right now and not be out. This is not the time to be out there playing games with God. Remember that old song? Quit playing games with my heart. Come on. All right. Backstreet Boys, where are you at? All right. Okay. Some of you, some of you know. Side note, side note. So my son Sam, his favorite song is Noel, the first Noel. And so I was just on Apple Music last Christmas season. I just typed it in and it started playing everybody that's ever sang that song. And for some reason it gets to the group NSYNC. And apparently they sang that song back in the late 90s. They did a Christmas record. And so his favorite song in the entire world is in sync singing the first Noel. And I got to listen to that every single day. I've got to listen to Justin Timberlake. And and he doesn't know these guys, but he thinks Justin Timberlake's a girl because he sings so high. Anyway, it's, it's kind of funny. Dad, that girl sings so good. I'm like, man, his hair looked like ramen noodles. I remember back then. He was a wild guy. But anyway, all right, back to the sermon, back to the sermon. And so this is the time to abide under the shadow of the Almighty because the help is there for you. Jesus brought the help, but we have got to stay connected. Do not unplug from the power source right now. This is the time to stick closer to Jesus than you have ever stuck to Him before. Can I get an amen today? We ain't joking around. And so the third thing I'm going to say is this. Jesus, Emmanuel brings hope, help, and I'm going to say healing to us. Well, healing for what? Healing for whatever it is you need, man. Listen, he said, I am the great I am. He is everything that you need him to be. And he will bring healing to your body, healing to your heart, healing to your mind, healing to everything that you need healing for. Let me show you something here in Mark chapter 1. Flip over to Mark chapter 1. Are you still with me today? Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look here at verses 40 through 42. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42, and you need to see an up-close, real-life, in-person situation of Jesus right here. Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 40 through 42. Check this out. 
And so we've got a man here with leprosy, a highly contagious, very bad disease, right? I mean, uh, we've, we've gone over this, but it's a, it's a bad situation. You don't want to have leprosy. I don't want any disease. And this is definitely one of those diseases that I really don't want to have. And so look at this. Mark chapter one. And we're going to look here at verses 40 through 42. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. Jesus said, ew, get away. You're contagious, dude. No, no, he didn't say that. He said, this guy says, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. And moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. He was made whole at that exact moment. Now, this is one of those instances I was mentioning earlier. This guy comes up to Jesus and he knows Jesus has the power. He knows the abilities there, but this guy doesn't know if the willingness is there. And Jesus doesn't even hesitate. He doesn't stop to think about it. He's like, well, let me get back to you. He says, no, no doubt about it. I'm willing. I want to do this right now. He instantly reaches out and says, be healed. And the man is healed instantly. Jesus brings healing with him. That's part of who he is. He is the healer. That's what Jesus does. And this guy said, I don't know, man. Are you well? He said, I am willing. You need to realize that today, that Jesus is willing and Jesus is your heal. Yeah, but I've got this going on and, and my body's fine, but I've got some other, you know, my, I, I'm broken hearted. I'm this and I'm that. Jesus will heal every part of you that you know about and even parts that you don't know about if you will reach out to him just like this guy does. And so he's here to bring healing. But just like we talked about earlier, sometimes he does things in a way that you didn't see coming. Sometimes he's here to bring hope, help and healing to you. And you're like, yeah, but I thought it was going to happen this way over here. So I don't even know. Think about this. You're 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 dangling on the edge of a cliff, right? You you, you did something dumb and, and, and you're and you're hanging there. Somebody comes by, climbs down to you and hands you a rope. Tie this around your waist. I'm here to help. And you're like. Oh, man, you know what? I was kind of imagining more of like a helicopter thing coming, maybe, you know, like the National Guard or something. So no, thank you. I'm just going to wait. How stupid would you be? Help has arrived, and maybe it doesn't look like you thought it was going to look like, but help is here. Receive the help. Maybe Jesus is bringing help to you this Christmas season. Maybe maybe it's through a different way. Maybe it's through, well, well I always thought it was going to happen this way, but he's speaking to you through a sermon today at church. Maybe he's using some little kid to come and, and, and speak into your life. Maybe whatever it is he's doing to bring help, you need to realize that help is here. Jesus is here. He may do it different than how you had always imagined, but he is here and he always comes through every single time. Those shepherds, they did not see a little baby being born into a barn as being the answer. To, they, they, they did not see that coming, and neither did anybody else in Israel. But listen, that's what happened. And he came, and he changed the world, and he's still 
changing the world. So he brings us hope. He brings us help. He brings us healing. And if there's ever a time that I can encourage people to know that Jesus is the healer. He's the healer. And I mean, I mentioned it at the beginning of the service, but I believe. And the reason we talk about it so much is we believe 1000% that Jesus still heals people. I'm not going to I was going to tell. But listen, my story. I had leukemia when I was three. I was dying in a children's hospital. I was miraculously raised up. One night, my blood was full of cancer. I start running the next... I hadn't walked in, in, in months. And the next morning, I just get up and take off running down the hallway. The doctors grab me, stick needles in my arms, start pumping blood out. And thought, this blood has zero cancer. Yesterday, it was full of cancer. Today, it has no cancer in it. These are perfectly healthy white blood cells. That was when I was three and a half years old. 32 years later, they still take my blood and I have no trace that I ever even had leukemia. So I believe if you want to tell me that Jesus doesn't heal, you're too late to tell me you can't you couldn't convince me of that no matter what you do. Yeah, but we prayed for this guy and nothing happened. I have, I do not have the guts. I do not have the audacity to elevate my experience above the word of God. I've prayed for people and yeah, man, it seems like nothing happened. It seemed like they didn't get it. I'm not going to speculate why. I'm not going to say they had some hidden sin or it wasn't. I'm definitely not going to say it wasn't God's will. I will never say that. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And everybody that came to Jesus for help and healing in the Bible, 100% of the time, he said, it's my will. And if he says now, no, it's not my will, that means somewhere along the line, Jesus Christ changed. And that means Hebrews 13.8 is a bold-faced lie. And it's not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday Today and forever, Jesus is still the healer. He healed me of leukemia. He healed my dad on the front row of stage four lymphoma cancer two years ago. He healed this man on the second row, Dylan, of stage four throat cancer three years ago. He healed this young lady over here in the third row of lung cancer Two, three years ago. He has brought healing. Rosalinda's mom, this time last year... This very week, one year ago, Katie and I were at Barstow Hospital and that woman's mom was on her deathbed. I thought she was gone. But we came in. We brought the name of Jesus with us. We brought some anointing oil. We laid hands on her. And she, I mean, she is alive. I I mean, every natural sign said this woman was going to be dead by Christmas. She is out of that hospital. The healthiest that she's been in years Jesus heals. But you got to reach out in faith. You've got to believe it. You've got to trust Him. You have got to reach out in faith. Jesus hasn't changed. His will hasn't changed. He's perfect. What can perfection change to? There's nothing better than perfection. And He's already at that level. He's there. And Jesus wants to bring help to us. I want to tell one last story. Katie, Brady, you can come on up. 
But I was listening to Jesse DePlanis this week, and if, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling dry, Jesse DePlanis will light your fire up. And so I was listening to Jesse, and he was telling this story. He was in this town several years ago at this church, and the pastor said, we've got a teenage girl her dad tried to kill her. He went crazy. He poisoned her. The police caught the dad. He's in prison now. He's never getting out. But this girl has been in a coma. They thought the doctor said, well, maybe she'll come out of it, out of it in one week. One week turned into two weeks. Two weeks turned into four months. She's in a paralyzed, brain-dead coma. And Jesse says, can I go in and, you know, can I pray for her? And so he gets there and, the you know, the people in the room were like, this girl's hopeless. She's helpless. She She's not going to get healed. And he's like, can you guys just get out? Well, that made people mad. And so they called security. But before security got there, he lays hands on this girl in the name of Jesus. And nothing happens at that moment. So he's like, and so they, you know, they go ahead and kick him out. And so, you know, he goes on and he, he finishes his preaching schedule for the next couple of weeks. People were laughing. People were mocking. People were making fun. People were trash talking, smack talking, everything else. And they're like, man, this guy's a, he's a fraud. He's got nothing. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going back to that town. He gets there. He shows up at the hospital. They're like, oh, you again? Nothing's happened. We told you that, you know, we're sorry, but you need to leave. He walks into the room. The girl shoots up out of bed and says, that right there is the man that prayed for me four weeks ago. And she was 100% healed, healthy, and whole from that moment on. So I'm telling you, sometimes you pray and it's like, man, I didn't feel nothing. Hey, if you need to feel something, then I don't know what to tell you, but I walk by faith, not by sight. I don't walk by what I see. I don't walk by what I feel. I don't walk by what I taste or what I smell. I walk by faith, not by sight. Sometimes I lay hands on someone and pray and instantly something happens. And sometimes I lay hands on somebody and pray and it's like, well, I didn't see anything happen, but... The Word of God is working. The seed has been planted. Some healing went into their body. It may take a, a, a day or two days or, or three days or a week to manifest and to show up on the surface, but His Word never returns unto Him void. It always accomplishes everything He sent it forth to do. And Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent His Word and healed them of all their diseases and delivered them from their iniquities. And so, I'm telling you today, right now, that Jesus brings hope. He brings help. He brings healing. It's time for us to trust Him. It's time for us to get serious about Jesus. And even if things Things don't look how you want them to look. You keep holding on and you let that hope be a trustworthy anchor for your soul. Because guess what? We ain't alone. Emmanuel, God is with us. Let's stand up together today. Do you receive that word from God? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.